Hello there. there. Welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy, the podcast where we watch all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Today, in our 42nd regular installment, we are going to be taking a look at Grievous Intrigue, The Deserter, and Lightsaber Lost from Season 2 of The Clone Wars to continue our chronological journey through Star Wars The Clone Wars. I'm Jacob. I'm Tara Sanube. Um, <laughs> I'm Eli. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm very excited to get into these three episodes. These three episodes are three of my favorite episodes from this season. The middle one, The Deserter, is my favorite Clone Wars episode of all time. Really? Uh, More than any yeah. of the season six or season seven episodes? Anything. You heard me say wow. it on the stream. By the way, let's talk about that stream. We streamed last week. Um, I, we hope you all enjoyed that stream. We're doing a part two of that stream because stuff took longer than we thought it would. Um, that's going to be this weekend, actually, um, on Sunday at 2 p.m. Uh, PST, uh, where we're going to be doing the same thing we did with brackets, but for Star Wars Rebels this time. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the first stream, and we're so excited for the second one. But on that stream, I did mention that The Deserter is my favorite episode of The Clone Wars, and I got to rant about it a little bit. It made it to the second round, Jacob? Yeah, because you were the one who delivered its defeat, actually. Um, yes, With my second favorite episode of The Clone Wars. Um, so, I'm not too mad. Um, now, remember, was Grievous Intrigue in our... Uh, it wasn't. I put The Deserter our... in, but not Grievous Intrigue. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I like uh, Grievous Intrigue is one of those episodes. It may Grievous not be. Grievous Intrigue is extremely solid, and I know you're going to be mad about the deserter, just considering how this podcast usually works. <laughs> I mean, look, look, look. It is not. It's maybe not my favorite episode, but it's definitely one that I do keep. I keep coming back to it for some reason. I keep rewatching it because I don't know. There's just something about it. It's very. Uh, it is a. It's very. It's very compelling. Episode. I will yeah. say that. To summarize Grievous Intrigue, Eeth Koth gets ambushed, his ship is boarded by General Grievous and his droid goons. Uh, Grievous captures Eeth Koth, but then makes the mistake of sending a message to the Jedi, a hologram of him gloating about the fact that he, he has captured Eeth Koth and giving this whole crazy soliloquy about how he's going to keep Eeth Koth alive but torture him because by torturing him, he's also torturing all the Jedi. It's a whole thing. But in that message, Ethkoth is doing hand signals, and in these hand signals, he manages to convey to Obi-Wan Kenobi the exact coordinates of Grievous's flagship. And so, of course, Obi-Wan um, joins forces with Anakin and Adi Gallia, correct? Not Stas Ali, yes, but Adi Gallia. Adi Gallia, they go. I don't think we ever go. see Stas Ali in the Clone Wars. That's just no, we don't, yeah. They go, uh, big, ballsy rescue. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue you might say eventually um Ethkoth is rescued but Grievous gets away uh and but it but is kind of shot down and ends up on the surface of Seleucami which is going to lead us into the next episode so that's how it pans out the deserter is the heartfelt story of love and choice and all of that great stuff um while scouting for Grievous Rex gets hit two inches to the left of his heart by a want to point out, droid. I want to point out that that's one of the only times that inches is used in Star Wars. Good point. They always um, use metric, but here they use imperial. Good point. Uh, anyway, so um, he is forced to stay out of duty for a little while, and he takes refuge at this farm 
and he discovers the owner of the farm is a clone named Cut Lockwain who has deserted and who has chosen a life with his wife and two kids just, um, after he deserted shortly after the Battle of Geonosis. And uh, they have long discussions about what the war means and if it's really worth fighting. Eventually, though, Cut's kids run into a bunch of commando droids, and they have to defend the farm from those commando droids, and they are successful, and Rex hitches a ride off of Seleucami, not turning Cut in for desertion. Um, final episode is Lightsaber Lost. While hunting for a criminal weapons dealer, Ahsoka loses her lightsaber on the surface of Coruscant. She enlists the help of ancient Kosian Jedi Master Terra Sinube to try and get her lightsaber back. They go on a massive, huge chase around uh, Coruscant and um, to try and find the... Eventually, they find two women who have stolen Ahsoka's lightsaber named Ioni Marcy and Cassie Cryer. They t chase them around Coruscant. Ahsoka eventually gets her lightsaber back learning a few lessons along the way. So those are the two um, episodes of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, that I'm summarizing. So let's get into the first one, that grievous intrigue. Um, yes. So yes. let's get to our fortune cookie. For everything you gain, you lose something else. I gotta now, say, for fortune cookies that haven't been hitting lately, this one's good. This one's really good, I think. Yeah, I think this one you can you can take it from a lot of different angles because you can do I think a lot with it. Yeah. in a very obvious sense, it's like oh, the wartime constant give and take. You have to make hard choices, make your sacrifices. You know, with uh with, with Eve Koth um kind of saying near the end of the episode, you know, we you may have rescued me, but I fear we have we have lost Grievous, and we came close to capturing him. We didn't do it. Bless you, and. Things like that, but I think it really applies the most, honestly, to Grievous, or at least I was, I, I was most intrigued by the way that intrigued. Would you say? <laughs> I, I didn't even. I didn't even try to. I didn't. That wasn't even. I didn't even. We're gonna do it all the time this episode. We can't. I stop didn't even it. plan on it. I know. I know. We can't. We can't help it. Intrigued. We cannot help I don't know. It. It's a, I use that word so much. We can stop so. the suns from setting. Um. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um. But I was fascinated. I have to pick my words carefully now. By the way that it applies to Grievous, um, which I'll I, get into in a little I bit. I think you might have written the same thing down with me. Um, oh yeah, maybe. Um, there's right. a speech. There's a there's a back and forth that goes on when Grievous is dueling Obi Wan aboard his ship. That is the most fascinating thing about this episode. Um, and um, yeah. Um, um, so they capture Eve Koth. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this. Here's an interesting military thing. Did you notice there's a specific procedure for Grievous boarding a Jedi ship in this episode? There is, yeah, because we see it more than once. It's it's oh, commando kick the, droids. He kicks the door in. No, it's commando droids, then, then magna guards, then Grievous, both times. Yeah. It's a specific. Order no, I think in the first in time. the first scene, I think Grievous steps in first, but the magna droids and the Commander droids are hiding around the corner. I kind of rush out around him to protect sure, him. Sure, but like still, just in general, yeah. commando droids come yeah. out to attack first, then magna guards, then Grievous, which is it. Yeah. Which if we're is... gonna have this discussion, though, 
we got to talk about the the opening scene with East Koth in the bridge because that scene that scene is just absolutely fantastic. I think it's a it's a scary scene. You really feel the suspense of oh my um, oh my gosh yeah it's so good the way the the lightsabers come through. There's a tiny bit of a pause and boom, Grievous kicks in the door. And the best shot, in my opinion, the best shot in the entire episode is when the music kind of drops down and you get this like crazy kind of just the sound of pure dread, like that dropping ambient baseline hum, like that. And then Grievous just steps through and you just see his feet clonk, clonk. And those two footsteps that just like in those two, in that split second, that just tells you everything you need to know about Grievous. He's here. He's out for blood. He's a menace. He's unstoppable, yeah. Dude, dude is dude is definitely a force to be reckoned with here. Um, yeah, I think that oftentimes the Clone Wars doesn't do Grievous justice as much as yeah uh, Tartakovsky did, but this is definitely not yeah. one of those times. No, this is actually a great arc for Grievous. I actually was surprised by how great an arc this was in general for General Grievous. Um, yeah, uh, you want to go to one of the most interesting scenes in this episode, in my opinion, which is the hologram that Grievous says, sends to um, the council? Yeah, I think before we do, I just want to ask you, why do you think that Grievous, who hates Jedi so much, is having basically his Magna Guards do the dirty work, you know? He's, he's like sort of dueling... Um, He's sort of dueling Eve Koth, but really the Magna Guards are just kind of hamming him in. What do you think that's all about? Because that kind of confused me, because clearly he could have taken out Eve Koth. He probably could have. I think it's a strategy of Grievous playing smart, honestly. You know, Grievous doesn't have the Force. And he's always anticipating the fact that maybe a Jedi could be faster than him. But you know who they couldn't be faster than? Him plus four. uh, No, him plus four IG-100 Magna Guards. Yeah, it doesn't matter how fast you are. I mean, except for if you're like Yoda or somebody. If you're up against Grievous and four IG 100 Magna Guards, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I think another point also to add on to that, I just thought of is it this kind of shows, in my opinion, how Grievous, even though he's very strong, the reason we don't see him kick so much butt in the Clone Wars as in 2003 Clone Wars is that he doesn't really do anything himself unless he absolutely has to. Even though he's yeah. even though he knows he's well capable of it, he just yeah. has that kind of He's kind of lazy, honestly. Yeah, he has that he is a little bit he's a bit of a he's a bit lazy and he's a bit cowardly in this to be honest. You know, he really I mean, he's really just like in, why should I There's that line him? in like, Sith. Um General Grievous will ru- will run and hide as he always does. As he always does. We need to establish this as he always does. You no, know? yeah, but I totally, I totally think though that um, that he definitely just doesn't do anything unless he has to, you know. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, there's one other thing actually I want to reference um before we get to the council scene, which is Grievous and Eth Koth when they're dueling. There's an interesting line. Um, Koth calls him a murderer. Do you know? Do you remember what Grievous responds to that? Is it murder to rid the galaxy of you Jedi filth? Exactly. That is such a good line. That to it me, is, I and love it's that interesting. Line. It's so good. What I love about this episode is it's interesting philosophically. So it's a it is interesting because I don't think Grievous considers the Jedi as like human. You know what I mean? Or people? It's like, yeah, I know. 
I think um, I, I think that honestly he knows what he's doing. Like, he he is okay with it. He is a cold blooded killer. He is out oh, absolutely. For, yeah. He's out for blood. So I would I don't know. I wouldn't say it's exactly I, the same. Yeah. I also think it could be totally him mocking Koth. Like I don't think he yeah, really it could cares just be about him. murder. No, yeah, I think it's it, you're absolutely right. It's just his version of like a uh, done mock. I don't know if that's uh, yeah. I don't know it's if that's pretty, kind of like it's, he's it's just, just yeah. No, he's, he is a uh, yeah. He he is strutting his stuff. He's the uh, he's talking his he's shit. On pardon fire. my French, but he's like on yeah, fire. he um, wants to use every yeah. single advantage, and that includes so, like his reputation. So maybe he, maybe it's him just trying to uphold his reputation by being like, I don't care if it's murder because you're a Jedi. Like I'm yeah. I uh, then we get then Kenny calls the council. This is here's the line I'm thinking about. I do not care about your politics. I do not care about your republic. I only want to see you die. In my that notes, is insane. I wrote, I love the episode's subtle psychoanalysis of Grievous. Grievous doesn't give two shits about the Separatists or the Republic. His hatred of the Jedi is as bright as the son of Kali, and he wants <laughs> to make that known. And then I wrote, damn, now we need a Grievous backstory somewhere. Um, yeah, and I think there's also a line in there during his uh, duel with Kenobi, where he says, "I only but, live to see you die." Yeah, I I, I don't know if that's, we'll get to we'll get to yeah. his fight with uh with. But I feel uh, like the Kenobi fight is Kenobi. like a whole other conversation. It really is. It's because I feel like that scene is super influential. That and the cut Rex naming scene are two of the most intense philosophical conversations in the entire Clone Wars TV show. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're, so after if you wanted to talk about the uh. The hologram scene i already did um, oh okay that was the i don't care about your republic i don't care about your politics I okay, speaking of the hologram that. scene like why are there younglings in the war room yeah that's what something talks? i didn't really i was i was with the philosophical thing but i didn't notice that and i'm like and i was like yeah why are there younglings there frankly this is still young ahsoka why the hell is ahsoka there yeah like ahsoka i can excuse like yes maybe you shouldn't have a a a a fourteen year old in the war room, like like maybe you shouldn't have a fourteen year old in the war period, but that's like a whole other discussion that's, another that's already conversation, been conversation. But like we've already we've already had this conversation. But younglings, yeah, really, really Jedi Order, really, really? yeah, it, mm. yeah. Not sure how I'm not sure how to feel about it. <laughs> I, I I'm not, I'm not sure how to feel about any of this anyway. Anakin and uh. Uh, Adigalia take off in one ship and Obi-Wan engages Grievous on another ship. My favorite thing is everything about that Obi-Wan says before about engaging Grievous is the best thing ever. The good general and I have a history. Um, okay, that's also, another thing I wanted to bring up. I also love the fact that because... when that when um, that when Grievous that when Obi-Wan's ship finally does come out of hyperspace um, I gr- they're like, we're receiving a transmission, sir. And then Grievous sees the screen, and he's captivated. Yeah. Kenobi! Oh, here we go! It's it's such a fun game like, of chicken. Yeah. And it's so funny, his relationship with Kenobi. Like, if, if, if killing Jedi and seeing Jedi die is what keeps Grievous alive, then... The the possibility of killing General Kenobi is what makes him get out of bed each morning and brush his yeah. teeth. You know what I mean? Like he he just he just has an obsession 
which which mm. makes me wonder like do we know because if so i clearly don't why he has such a beef with obi-wan and where it starts so here's the thing there's an answer in legends too um to both the grievous's backstory and why grievous is an obsession with obi-wan i'm not sure if this is true in canon in um, legends it's like a shuttle crash right or something no in i no, i'm talking about in canon it's a shuttle crash we need we know even more about grievous's backstory in legends oh um, uh but in legends i do remember there was some like novelization of something or some comic so in Legends, Grievous was actually at the Battle of Geonosis, but Dooku wasn't ready to test him yet. So he was just watching the entire battle from the catacombs below, and he saw Obi Wan fighting on. It was it's almost like he fell in love with Obi Wan, but like the opposite. So he's like he fell in hate. Basically, he's like that wow. guy's dangerous. He's like that guy. That guy. I choose is you. Bad. He just chose him. Yeah that's basically what happened um it was a weird i think it happened after revenge of the sith was released and they knew that grievous would be killed by obi-wan so it was a weird wonky mm. sort of placement of the oh this guy is not gonna so be sort good of for a, me so it was sort of a reverse situation where they figured a little, out a little bit they figured out the the outcome before they figured out the motivation yeah so it mm. was, it was okay. it, it was a little forced but like um, hey, you know what? It works. That's the it gives us something quite iconic. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, let's talk. So, Anakin and Adi Galia rescue Master Koth with some difficulties because a tactical droid intercepts them. And that's all cool. That's, that's cool and all. But Jacob and I don't really want to talk about that, really. What Jacob and I really want to talk about, I can sense, is... Obi-Wan and Grievous fighting on his ship because it's oh, great. Man. The conversation here is, is so, so good. So first, um, I would like to point out that when Grievous asks Obi-Wan if everything's going as planned, you know what Obi-Wan says? That depends on your point of view. Obi-Wan fact-pobs him. Obi-Wan legit fact-pobs him, which I figured out is the Star Wars moral relativist version of uh, Um Actually yeah um so like well like, hey well that's your opinion man <laughs> yeah it's yeah. great i love when anyone uses that in any star wars anything because it's just like it is the most is the cop-outs of all cop-outs um yeah. what i told you was true from, from a certain, a certain point, point of, view. of view yeah um yeah absolutely agree so I absolutely um, agree uh so uh uh obi-wan says to grievous um, you're doing a lot of talking, General, but in the final accounting, what does all the talk get you? Here's what I, here's what I love about this. So, I, so we get, so here's the whole speech that is happening. Uh, but in the final accounting, what does all the talk get you? Uh, something, something. And your place as Dooku's errand boy. Yeah, I am the then, leader of the most powerful ga droid army the galaxy has ever seen. An army with no loyalty, no spirit, just programming. What have you to show for all your power? Of uh, uh, The future, a future where there are no more Jedi. The story of Obi-Wan Kenobi ends here. Those that's are such the, a good exchange. It's such a, an interesting exchange. I and feel like... It yeah, connects oh, sorry, great with the deserter. 
what I'm really excited to get to the deserter based off of Graves Intrigue because yeah. I know Jacob, you're all hiring your horse about battle droid societies. I want to throw that aside for this episode because okay, this episode enough. is like these these two episodes are like preaching the exact opposite, which is you know, there's this line from the honest trailer for Revenge of the Sith. I don't know if you've seen it in a while. Basically, um, uh, it sure. it says, um, uh, "Watch as two disposable CGI armies battle each other." Seriously, there's no reason for you to get emotionally invested in this at all. That's before the Clone Wars happened, and yeah. these two episodes, one of the main goals, in my opinion, that it lays out, is explaining to the audience why the clone army is the good guys and why the droid army are the bad guys. Not just because of what they do, but because of who they are. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, yeah. the, they, the Separatists are winning, but like, almost all of their troops are droids. Grievous himself is like 97% droid. Where is the, where is that like, last minute push to gain an uh, to gain a new to gain a new hold of an objective or something like that you know i'm speaking in battlefront terms now but like <laughs> where's where's that where's that where's the camaraderie where's the where's the cause there is none of that with droids because they're robots um an army with no loyalty no spirit just programming you know Flashing ahead a little bit to the deserter, one of the main messages of the deserter, in my opinion, is once a, once a clone trooper, always a clone trooper. Your mileage may vary because of slick, but like we're gonna ignore <laughs> slick for that. Um, but anyway, yeah. and and or, in or cut. The, and and also what or cut cut we'll get to actually because I think he has a lot of the spirit of a clone still in him. It's Absolutely. just just about what he's fighting for, which is a different but. In that episode, also, the droids run out of power, and Grievous does nothing. It, it's the difference between... It, it's not just two disposable CGI armies, because one of them is disposable, and the other one is anything but disposable. We're going back to Rising Malevolence, which we discussed on our stream at length. Uh, we're just clones, sir. We're meant to be expendable. Not to me. There are... The Republic thinks higher of its clone troopers. Not all of them. We'll see later, actually, in some of the Senate episodes that some of the senators don't think very highly of the clone troopers, but the people who are actually leading them out in battle trust them and respect them and even, in some cases, love them. That's my little spiel about Grievous Intrigue. Um, no, yeah, I think that um, you bring up some good points. One thing I want to point out also, I think, that is great about this conversation is how much foreshadowing there is in it, you know? Kind of everything obi-wan says like what do you have to show for a mutilated body dooku's errand boy and how grievous is convinced he has a lot of power but in reality he doesn't it, it really does pan out that way at the end grievous is just a pawn he dies never really getting to see the world that he wanted the world with no jedi which is ostensibly what order 66 created for the most part and that goes and, he, uh, and he's goes used as a great pawn. segue uh former guest on this show and also a um, great podcaster out there, DeVore. The next episode of his show, A Large View of the Force, is about he's doing another speculative Star Wars what if, and he's exploring what's going to happen, what ha would happen if Grievous survived into Order 66. 
That would be so interesting. So I'm really yeah. interested. We're releasing this episode at such an opportune time, actually, because that episode is probably going to go out. I think it's going to be in two weeks. Um, no, no, not two weeks. It would be in next week. It would be next week. But wow. so I'm very interested in hearing that. Yeah, and I think also, thank you for that. Also, in terms of um, in terms of foreshadowing, you know what Krivis is a future where there are no Jedi. It's crazy how he works. Like, does he know about Order sixty six? Well, in this conversation, it almost seems like he does, in terms of how sure and how committed mm, he comes off so. as to, I, to I his would, vision of the future. I don't think so. I think if not, I think that's if, pretty and, ironic. If, because... if anything, actually, I think this conversation he proves he doesn't know about Order sixty six. You think because you, you think he wouldn't let that information on? No, because if he was so certain that the Jedi were going to fall anyway, perhaps he wouldn't put as much energy into brutally massacring them all. I mean, either way, he is playing his part, and I think even if he did, I think he would still want to take it into his own... Given what we know about Grievous, he would definitely be as eager to take it into his own hands. Yeah, but I think also he would, possible he would be like, hey, Dooku, can you do this Order 66 thing a little bit sooner? I want to see more Jedi dead, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, totally, totally. You would, have, um, you would have to get more arms installed for all the lightsabers you'd be picking up off the battlefield. That's for know, sure. That's definitely true. Um, and you know, yeah. I think also... Yeah, I think this goes back to also the fortune cookie. For everything you gain, you lose something else. And Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's speech really makes it clear how this applies to Grievous the most, I think. How he has gained all this power, but in doing so, he has lost a different kind of power, which is his power over himself. Because he's yeah. now in the position where if he messes up, if he if he disobeys, if he decides, hey, this isn't for me, I gotta go do something else now. He he can't. He's locked in. Yeah. If if he if he even exercises the tiniest bit of like real autonomy, Dooku or um or Sidious will make sure that he is we'll, dead. We see we'll see this later with um Ventress in season three. Ventress um is growing too powerful and and Sidious yeah, yeah. is like you gotta get her out of there and duke is like no 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 and Sidious is like yeah you gotta get her out of there and Grievous is like fine and he does it without hesitation and it almost works yeah you know? almost, yeah i mean <laughs> that just shows like how little autonomy yeah. there truly is in the in the yeah. kind of the sith for everything you gain you lose something else below the, the sith hierarchy and below the sith you know Below Dooku, yeah. Ventress, Grievous, etc., and and also the way you know he gains prowess, but he loses his natural body and becomes, as you said, mostly a robot. And I think it kind of reminds me of like some kind of a, a it, it makes me think that it's almost as though Grievous has made like a deal with the devil. Or I guess in this case, he's made a deal with Dooku or a deal with Sidious. You know? Yeah, I remember in a behind-the-scenes featurette on Render the Sith. Duke, uh, George Lucas specifically talked about creating Grievous as a foreshadowing for what would eventually happen to Anakin. It certainly seems that way, yeah. The whole most robot thing and of your, you losing your soul in the process, absolutely. Um, we want to get on to absolutely. the deserter? Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot of meat, really, in the episode towards the end. You know, 
I think there was a great moment when General Grievous reveals he figures out that Skywalker is trying to rescue Ethkoth, you know? He does, but then he, like, he sends a tactical droid and some commando droids out. I'm like, really, dude? You knew they were going to try to rescue Master Koth, and that's all you did? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there was more layers to his plan, or maybe he just maybe he just underestimated the Jedi. But I think it's especially interesting how even, even Obi-Wan at the end of the episode kind of tunnel visions in on Grievous and says quickly yeah. we can still catch him and then Adi Galia has to kind of check him and say hey, hey this shit's nope, gonna no, blow up any no. minute we gotta we gotta get out of here our ship is leaving like Obi-Wan, at the end of the day we gotta stay up, safe yeah yeah so I think that was an interesting twist because you know Obi-Wan Obi-Wan's always the one who's kind of having to keep Anakin and sometimes Ahsoka in check but in this case it's, it's interesting though because I think it shows that he's less infallible so I, I i quite like that yeah no i definitely agree with you there um should we get on to the deserter yeah let's let's do it the deserter um yeah fortune cookie it is the quest for honor that makes one honorable another great one i love this one uh you know we'll get into cut law Quain and why he is one of my favorite characters in the entire show um but he leaves the army for the belief that war is not worth fighting. There are other things he wants to do with his life. Though, Rex does not make that decision, and at the end of the episode still does not make that decision. He is no less honorable than Cut, because both are doing what they think is the right thing that, to do. And in, in the scheme of things, that's really all that matters, is what the episode, I think, is trying to say. say yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that um, it, w- it is kind of... I, I found... Although I don't, although I don't dislike Cut for it, and I don't think it's a big deal. I do think it's kind of funny and ironic how, you know, we see a, a lot of the episode is um, Cut trying to convince Rex that he uh, still still has honor and he's still doing something good and worthy and isn't just like as as Rex kind of thinks at the beginning. He isn't just this dirty coward, and yeah. he says like, "You may think I have no honor, but I will." I will do everything and anything I can to protect my family, which is true. And I do think that's honorable. It is ironic then that he then spends a lot of time kind of then kind of needling Rex about Rex's own decision to to stay in the fight. And he's kind of saying, is it really you or is it your programming? Yeah. Like, are, are you really, are you really on board with the war or do you just, do you, do you just think you have to, were you not it's- given a choice? No. Yeah, it's an interesting, so I think what Cut is doing is I think he just wants Rex to understand him a little bit. Um, yeah, I think, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I gave this argument on the stream. You're going to hear a lot of arguments I made on our stream because I argued for the deserter. Um, Cut, in my opinion, makes the most rational argument of anyone in this entire thing, in, in this entire show of leaving the war. We see oh, absolutely so many people so many groups of people staying neutral in the war and they all make interesting arguments but cuts is fi- by far the most rational and the most interesting um and the most yeah i think yeah I, I, yeah i think that's by design too i mean that he's the only lone deserter so far that that isn't like kind of cast or or who isn't created to be the villain a villain yeah um, so let's, um, let's I'm definitely talk about really the... glad that they did that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, let's talk about the beginning of the episode, pre-cut, pre-Rex's shooting. Um, Grievous is trying to get off of Salukamai. That's his one goal. Um, yeah. Grievous is carrying supplies on creatures, not the droids. But we see the low-power scene, which I think, which I thought you'd love because of the battle droid humor in that scene. I do love the battle droid um, humor. In, yeah, battle droid society, man. They need to rise up. Yeah. Yeah, but I like, mean, uh, that but, raises a lot of questions to me, honestly. Can we save them because bigger yeah, moral yeah. themes? Yeah, here, give I'm your bigger moral themes. I'm just asking you for all... one episode, for literally one episode. Um, I just have one question. I just have one question. Okay, fine. Which is, how long are the droids' battery live? live? That is a good it, question. It seems weird, given that they were just on a ship where they could have been charging or having their battery pack swapped out, doing what they need to do, and yet already they're kind of... Well... They have to walk a long time on that planet, you know what I mean? That's true, yeah. I it's mean, who weren't they built for marching? I mean, look, to be fair, it is just kind of a... It is a plot point. It, it is just used to show... Um, yeah. To show that Grievous is just super resentful of his battle droids. And will just... Yeah. yeah. It, there there, are, one, there are a couple of minor them. things in this episode where they have to just trust her for plot. Like, yeah, why yeah. is... Like, why do they leave no other clones with Rex? Yeah, there's, um, it's questionable. There, but there's like questionable you know, that's things. it's. It, I don't think it's a big deal. You know, Star Wars is about the ha is about the why, not the how. Yeah. Um, Definitely. But um, one of the other things, did you catch that conversation that Obi Wan and Cody have right after sending Rex off on that mission? They're basically they say he's about, very smart and he always thinks on his feet, right? Yeah, I love that. This is a great. I love how they talk about what Rex is great at. How great Rex is. Right before Rex has to learn a major lesson. It's an interesting way of establishing the episode. By saying that Rex is so awesome. Right before they have to... He has to be taught a major lesson. Makes... I, I feel like makes me... A little bit more... A little bit more sympathetic towards the character. Because... Yeah. He already knows what he's doing as a warrior, but maybe not so much as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this commando droid scene with Rex is so suspenseful. It is a great scene. Like, I knew it was coming. I knew he was about to get absolutely destroyed by that one commando droid. I knew it was going to happen. But it was still so suspenseful, you know what I mean? It was shot. Hundred percent. It was shot, and the music was placed in such a suspenseful way. Um, so yeah, he's injured. As Kix says, two inches to the left, it would have gone straight to his heart. Um, they have to bring him in to cut Lockwain's farm. Um, and before we get to cut, actually, here's something I want to talk to you about: Sue, his wife. She is like so brave in this episode. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? Because she lets that those clones in because you know she knows who her husband is, and yet she lets them in anyway. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's. I think it, that shows how powerful move. their. Yeah, it shows how powerful their philosophy is of like, like like never turn away anyone in need. And they, yeah, they, they say that later a in the episode. Near, kids. There's a yeah. person that's about to die. Like they're gonna help them. Yeah. Uh, so, 
so then Cut comes in and he sees Rex, um, and we see his kids, who are adorable, by the way. One of my favorite things about this episode, actually, Cut, Shea, Jack, and Sue are one of the only successful families in Star Wars. Yeah, they, they stick together and too many families do not in Star Wars. Yeah, and I love that contrast. I love that with families constantly being ripped apart and people turning to the dark side and people betraying other people. I love that there's a normal family out there who gets to live in peace. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's really heartwarming. Um but and he by the way, he introduces himself. My name is Laquane. Cut Laquane. Yeah, that was, that was just, a pretty funny moment. And, and I'm just a simple farmer. You know what I just you know what I instinctively wrote down? I'm just a simple farmer trying to make my way in the universe. I wish they put that one. I mean, maybe that would have been a little uh It would have been a little, a little much, on the nose. But, but like I, then again, that would have been But then again, Boba Fett in the tragedy. I'm, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the galaxy like my father before me. I thought this was a very funny... Um, Th- they went there. Yeah, it, it would have been... It would have been too I, much. It would have been too much, but I, I yeah. still... I still would have liked it. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, then they talk at the dinner table. And this dinner table scene, as I mentioned before, is magical the philosophical discussions that rex and cut have about uh, about um the clone army and all of that are simply mind-blowing i've done a lot of the talking and i definitely want to do a lot of the talking about this episode but so jacob you have anything you want to get um get out there before i totally just rip the walls down on this no no go ahead for it go ahead okay here we go so they talk about names, which is an interesting topic. It's I forgot it's where they went for uh, the first conversation. Um, yes, why Rex gets to name himself when the Kaminoans, of course, wouldn't really do such a thing because they don't have a use for it because they don't see the clones as people. They see them as objects, basically. They see them as killing people, basically. Yeah. Um, and the clones it's been clear they've been brainwashed and trained not to care about anything but the war. But that isn't sustainable. You know what I mean? The war is yeah. going to end one day. And here's where I made the conclusion and drew the comparison between Grievous and the clones here. The war is going to end one day. And one day Grievous is not going to have any more Jedi to kill. Both are going to happen one day. Yeah, absolutely. And neither of the two people or groups are ready for that. No, no, no one's considered. This is this is another reason why I love the Clone Wars because you know there are. It's not seven seasons of the war. It's seven seasons of the era, and what's happening in and out of the war. Because everyone has to face the fact that the Clone War is not going to exist one day. And we know that it's not going to exist in about two years. Um, uh, we're about a year into the war at this time. And nobody has really thought about what's going to happen after that. Um, yeah. If either side wins. Um, this is another. There's another quote. Here we go. Actually, I've never really thought about it. Yes, you have. How would you know? Because I'm as close to you as any life form can be. There's so here's, many amazing ones. Here's where this guys. ties back to Ambush. 
you know, uh, share the same face do you, but in the Force, very different you are. Rex and Cut are genetically the same person, and they have very similar personalities when you really get down to it. Um, I pulled a quote from Albus Dumbledore from Harry Potter. I think it's in the Chamber of Secrets. He says, it is not our abilities that determine who we truly are. It is our choices. Rex and Absolutely. Cut have made very different choices about what to do with their lives. But Rex benefits here from seeing that there is another choice. Rex, up until this point, has thought there's the war and only the war. There's never been a discussion about what else is out there. And I love, this is another thing, we're going to get this sustainable again because the Bad Batch is about clones after the war when their original purpose has been served. Um, I'm really, really excited for that because of that reason. Um, yeah. Um, Rex, um, Rex fires, um, back with the idea that the army is meaningful to him. Cut challenges him back about how. Rex isn't wrong about uh, that it's meaningful, but Cut opens his eyes that he, as the unique being that is CT7567, or Rex, needs to figure out what meaning is for himself, not what the Kaminoans and the Republic has have decided is meaningful for him. Um, and then finally that conversation ends with, um, to each his own, that's what I always say. And then what if one of his kids asks him, what do you mean, Daddy? And Cut says, it means you can do anything with your life that you want to. And this is the most interesting thing I love, which is that, you know, there's often a lot of talk in Star Wars about parental expectations. What expectations your parents have for you. Cut does not give a shit. Cut knows what it's like to have to make a choice and how important that is. And he wants his kids to be able to do that. So that's me ranting about the dinner table scene and why that episode is so great. Very well said. Very well said. Are you ready to move on or is there more for uh... You want to address anything from the dinner table scene? Ah, uh, no, I think I'm good. I think, I think you've said it all. Honestly, but um yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a really good scene. You've only pointed out some things that I hadn't thought of. How many times have you watched this episode? Oh, 6 7 times, I don't know. <laughs> I've watched this episode so many times it's so good it brings me to tears every single time um, it's 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 magical um, we also get here's it's our companion scene um, where we hear cut story um, where he his entire squad was um, like basically killed around him and he says it's the day I felt like, my life didn't have any meaning. Um, and I started to realize, this guy lost everything that meant anything to him, and he did one of the craziest yet purest things ever. He built meaning back up for himself with his wife and two kids. Here's yeah. where our In a Galaxy comprehensive um, watching has, watched, has, has helped us here. Jacob, are you ready for me to make a humongous connection here that, I, that blew my mind when I made it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cut is the greatest example of the legacy of Jango Fett. When he talks with Roz in Bounty Hunter, one of the things Roz talks to him about is about what his legacy is going to be and about starting a family. And 
which of the clones actually carries out that out. It's cut. I'm not saying that any of the others weren't embodying Django's legacy or that there's anything wrong about not having a family, but it's an interesting connection, legends-wise, which the Clone Wars, in addition to being canon, is also legends. It's an interesting connection between Roz and Django in Bounty Hunter and Cut in The Deserter. You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. It's it's a it's an interesting um yeah. Um I also love the fact here's an interesting thing. So Rex tells Cut that his brothers are his family, which is partially true, but Rex can say that because you know who's really his family? Who? It's Anakin who's who's his big brother and Ahsoka who's his, who's his little sister. We see Ahsoka and Rex reuniting several times in The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and each time it feels like they're family. Um, that's the bigger lesson of Cut and all of that is that, you know, what are you fighting for? How Jedi choose to fight, as Yoda says in uh, in Rebels. And as, as much as I know you hate this quote, um, it, that's how we're going to win, by saving what we love and not fighting what we hate. Um, go right ahead, sorry. I, to... I don't have much to add to that. Yeah. Honest, but, um, I, I thought this was a really good episode. Um, should, should we cut to the commando droid stuff? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, they, um, so it's an interesting scene. I don't know, like, it felt like a horror scene to me where they find the commando droids, Shea and Jack. Yeah, it's it's like very, very much played for suspense, it's, definitely it's it's creepy and like i love by the way i love that commander droids shoot cut down uh shoot rex down at the beginning of the episode and now they're what he and um cut have to fight at the end of the episode um i also yeah. love here's another connection i'm making here's another comparison i'm making cut asks rex to be the last line of defense for his family that now, to me was a very kind of intense moment especially yeah. considering how and they hit, started the episode just to get it, to that moment of yeah. trust like felt so and it felt so huge and emotional after something similar happened in the mandalorian when din goes after the crate dragon and asks cobb vamp who he was not on good terms with at the beginning of the episode to protect the kid if he were to die now that doesn't happen of course but just that recognition in both cases that you trust somebody enough with your family. Yeah, um, 100%. And, you know, Grogu was Din's family by that point. I don't really care what you say, but, like, you know, Grogu is, was a part of Din's life at that point, you know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and so they defeat... Uh, and. They defeat the commander droids, and in the morning, Cut asks Rex to stay, but um, but Rex says he, his real family is elsewhere. Um, here's another here's another note I took: the Separatists have come out of this arc learning nothing. Rex has come out of this arc learning everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's my that's me ranting about the deserter. This is my favorite episode we've done so far. This is my favorite episode of the entire Clone Wars. 
because of what it says about why the clones and the droids are different. Should we that move is such on high to praise. I respect it. Should should we move on to lightsaber lost? Because I think I've been yeah. ranting about this for long enough. Go to lightsaber lost. Um, I just yeah. remembered I I found a trivia fact. Um, oh, good stuff. Good so stuff. we have uh the the animal that cut serves to Rex and his family is a roast or it is a roast Nuna. I guess the animal is oh. a Nuna. Dick, which uh, a Nuna leg from that. Yes. That's actually we're doing that episode next week. That's Voyage really? of Temptation. Right. I mean, yeah, th this animal does also show up on Naboo and Tatooine. Yes, also in fried form. But yeah. most importantly, in my opinion, this is the animal that StarWars.com describes as a little swamp turkey. A little what? swamp. Yes, a little swamp turkey. You heard me correctly. I have no idea what that means, but it made me laugh when I read it. So I decided yeah, to share that's it with strange. you guys. Okay. Okay. You so, want to get on to Lightsaber Lost? Yeah, Lightsaber Lost. I will say about this episode, I feel bad for Lightsaber Lost because it has nothing to do with the other two episodes. Yeah, That it, doesn't it, mean it's bad. This episode is actually, in my opinion, quite good. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't really fit with anything else. Um, yeah. Fortune Cookie. Easy isn't always simple. Definitely, definitely true. Yeah. This um, episode is, um, the word I hear the most in this episode, and I love this episode in comparison with that episode at the end of the season, Lethal Trackdown. The word with this episode is patience. If you play the long game, it is often way more effective than playing the short game. Yeah, I think that maybe it could have been said slightly better by, by talking yeah. about the speed, because we... Throughout this episode, you know, we have Tara Sainube who kind of, despite moving very slowly and kind of being very, very relaxed about the whole thing, ends up time and again kind of humming out many steps ahead of the Soka and ending up here's, kind of. Here's a better fortune cookie for is. you. Here's a better fortune cookie for you. It's something Sanube says at the end of the episode. The value of moving slowly is that one can always clearly see the way ahead. Yeah, that that's is the better for a hundred percent true. Yeah, and I think that this is one of those. I think this is a big moment for Ahsoka. Um, we maybe not yeah. so much of what we what we see in terms of immediate growth, or where she says, "Oh, this is a, this is a big lesson for me to learn. I really learned a lesson here." But but yeah. I think this just kind of shows the reason that she she becomes so uh so knowledgeable and so proficient. At everything she does in in all her years it is the caliber of the lessons that she's getting like like she just gets to, like her master just randomly drops her off or no i guess it's jocasta who actually just she just randomly gets dropped off of this super wise like ancient jedi master yeah here's another harry potter comparison for you um i i am a pretty big harry potter nerd and i know a lot about that uh, that universe so that's probably why it's coming up a lot for me i don't know if you remember this character from the series it's a very minor character harry's examiner for his owl assessments is a guy named professor tofty and he's not dumbledore but he seems like a guy who would have been like the dumbledore for when dumbledore was around he's that yeah he's a very old wise guy who doesn't look like much but probably has a lot of tricks up his sleeve that's, oh, Master Sanube. That's Master Sanube in this episode. 
he's not Yoda, but he feels like he's like almost the Yoda of Yodas, if that makes any sense. Um, I completely yeah. agree. Also, by the way, when they're cap trying to capture that weapons dealer at the beginning of the episode, um, named Car Atha, and Ahsoka gives an excuse to Anakin about having a bad feeling about somebody. Um, yeah. So I had to mention that low hanging fruit. Um, by the way, another low hanging fruit. The names in this episode are beautiful. The names are great. A plus in this episode. Banum, Knack Movers, Ioni Marcy, Cassie yeah, we get Cryer. Some crazy names, yeah. Yeah, there's some great names. Um, yeah. Uh, so they're trying to find who um, took Ahsoka's lightsaber, and they find the first guy, a Petroleum named Banamu. Um, let me ask you something about Banamu, Jacob. He seems a little yep. racist to me. How so? He sounded a lot like an like a cultural appropriation of an Italian would sound. Maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. No, I steal it. Yeah, I, I, I did, I did hear that accent. Yeah, I don't know about. Yeah, yeah I don't know about that, but you know. I don't know. It just seems. I, I, I think that something that to me, um, more made me go, whoa! If I was in this universe, that would be a huge yikes. Was when um, when uh, what was it the um Terra Sanube said? So you said there was something fishy about fishy him. Fishy about him. And that I, reminds me. Of, I chuckled. That was like, oh man! Like, how many fish jokes must all the aquatic species get on a regular yeah. basis? Like, like petroleans oh and mon calamari and quarren are doomed, man. Yeah, They're like doomed. um, in uh, oh man, I think in one of these, in one of the uh, robot chicken, uh, Star Wars bits. Oh. There's a um an elevator yeah. full of quarren and. Uh, Palpatine doesn't get any. He says, I'd rather not have my robes smell like a fillet of fish. And then one of them says, that's hurtful, man. And of course, if that was me, I would be quite hurt. So I totally understand where yeah. that Corrin was coming from. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah. I want to talk about a, another moral dilemma from this episode. And I want to credit this. I watched these episodes on Thursday, okay? This is very important. Because it plays into an idea called... Have you heard of something called the Ship of Theseus? The ship of Theseus. I, I, I can't say that I have. So there's a meme going around because it appeared in the final episode of WandaVision. Mm. I'm only bringing this up to you, okay? I'm only bringing this up to you because um, I wrote this on Thursday night before that episode came out. So I'm not stealing it from WandaVision. Um, that is <laughs> the only reason I'm telling you about it. Um, the ship of Theseus, um, it's basically a thought experiment. It says, if you take a ship, okay, if you take like yeah. a, a battleship, right, like a boat, and you replace all of the parts of the ship one at a time, at the end of the replacement, is that ship still the same ship? Mm, yeah. And how, do we, and how does this have to do with our episode? So, Ahsoka expresses a concern to Master Sunube. I mean, Master Sunube actually really figures it out for Ahsoka. But Ahsoka is worried that any blood spilled by her lightsaber will be on her hands. Oh, right. So, right, right, right. is it still murder? Or should you still be in... Have... If, some, if, if a murder is committed with a weapon that belongs to you, is it still your murder? 
It's definitely an interesting question. I would I would say no. Yeah, I, mean, I would I would I would go to no because I mean, here's maybe. the thing. A, here's the thing. If you hand a gun to somebody and say kill that dude, then yes. I think then I think the answer is yes. But Ahsoka got her weapon stolen. I think I think this sip of Theseus metaphor has to be applied to how the weapon was acquired. If it was given, then I think the murder the blood is on your hands. If it was taken, then I don't think the blood is on your hands in this case. You know what I mean? Yeah, that seems uh, yeah, that seems fair. I mean, I think it's more of just kind of Ahsoka grappling with the responsibility and kind of again the fallout for her mistakes and realizing that everything she does now has really high stakes just because of where Anakin is going and the things that he is being sent to deal with. So I think that I, I don't really think it's a huge plot point, really. Or no, I don't think it is. I don't, I don't really think it's a huge deal. About it. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. It is definitely an interesting. It's some interesting uh, food for thought. But yeah, again, I also um, I love the rooftop chase scene. I don't really yeah. have any uh smart philosophical observations for it but it's just there's 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 just really fun ones in my opinion to have it's just a fun chase i love cassie crier who's a torellian Django jumper which is one of the best species names in star wars um yeah also she's also the same species as the eighth brother even though we never see him he is confirmed to have been a torellian Django jumper makes sense he was jumping all over the place even died by jumping off a cliff or involuntarily jumping off a cliff we'll say <laughs> but you know um i think there's something to be said about the fact that she ends up going splat on a giant jumbotron of palpatine giving a speech yeah which is the um, same speech as an episode before right it is yeah it is it is a reused speech and it is also a speech where he is basically saying that the Jedi are responsible for the war. So it's actually, definitely no, that's big, not what it's, he's saying. Big propaganda moment. He's actually he's saying not that the saying Jedi that. started the war, I think. No, he's actually not saying that. Are you sure? No, because if, you, pretty if, sure you, I read if that. you have the captions on, and if you listen very carefully, again, I've seen this episode twice now, he actually says the exact opposite. He says, the accusations are uh, that the Jedi created the war to give them more, some more power are absurd. And I won't stand by it. That's the actual thing he's saying. Are you okay? Okay, maybe I will. Uh, I will, I will check up on that later because I'm pretty yeah. sure I read something that said the other words. But okay, I'll, I'll yeah. yeah, I'll go with that. I also love in the chase sequence. I freaking love that it takes Cassie a while to figure out how to actually turn Ahsoka's lightsaber on. Yeah, that, that's hilarious. That's a funny detail. Um, it shows how much people don't actually know about the Jedi. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I love the, the chase scene. I also love how much, how quickly Sanube catches on to Ioni Marcy basically just um, pretending this whole thing. Yeah, it's pretty funny the way he talks the whole thing out, kind of. Yeah. He's just like, well, if this is this, and she said this, and you did this, then... <gasps> you're in league with her and he kind of comes yeah. to the realization he gets super mad about it i think that's pretty funny but she but he plants the tracking device on her because i think she he's he at the be- very beginning knew something was up 
he did yeah he he he's he's smart with it yeah total he, absolutely he's, he's very wise he figures things out um yeah and uh eventually it gets to the point where cassie holds two twi'leks a mother and a daughter hostage um and uh but she's eventually cornered by tara sanube who commands the um police droids to take her and marcy into arrest and then we get to a really interesting part of the episode here which is um which is sanube what is sanube's you remember sanube's last um favor he asked of ahsoka i do not pass on what you have learned oh yeah which if you remember is also Yoda's command in, to Luke in Return of the Jedi that he then later repeats in The Last Jedi to Luke. And wow, I pulled out I a little remember that. I pulled out a little bit of a quote from that Last Jedi scene which is by the way I know you probably disagree with me is one of the most genius scenes in the sequel trilogy if not Star Wars in general. Um, strength, mastery, yes, but failure, folly also. This is what Ahsoka's passing on to the younglings at the end of the episode. Um, yeah. you know, I Ahsoka says to them, "This weapon's all your life, but it's also your responsibility." With a silent in my head, I should know that just happened to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, anything about any of these three episodes before we go on to our larger theme stuff? Mm. I don't know. Um, I think you just about covered it. I don't think there's a lot to. To go through here but definitely um definitely an underrated episode absolutely in my opinion what's your ranking of these three i'm interested mm, i think i'm gonna go with uh I, I think i have to go with uh the deserter number one grievous intrigue number two and this one number three but this one is That's, by uh that is exactly I my this one is well. is by no means bad no absolutely not that is exactly for once we actually bad. have the exact same ranking the deserter number one grievous intrigue number two and um, Lightsaber Lost is very solid. Grievous Intrigue is philosophically great, and The Deserter is just a classic. Um, so, we have a larger theme question for some of these episodes. In Grievous Intrigue and The Deserter, a lot is brought up, brought up about choice. What, in general, does Star Wars have to say about choice? Good question. I think that, um, I, I would say that, uh, in general, I think Star Wars is very much in the vein of, like, even though it talks a lot about destiny at the end of the day, it places a huge emphasis on the kind of individual choices and, yeah. and people making the choice to try and do the right thing, uh, kind of follow their moral compass and how that will um, affect the affect the universe for the better. And it's kind an of how if you put thing. out good energy into the universe, it will it will come back and reward you. It's an interesting thing with Cut because, you know, we talk in terms of Star Wars of the light side and the dark side, you know, so often. But Cut's decision that he makes is not an inherently light side or dark side. Absolutely not. It could be described as selfish, but that's missing the greater picture of it. But you can't say it goes a long way to better the galaxy in general. It exists in my opinion, almost apart from the light side and dark side continuum, which is a really interesting idea to wrestle with. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of emphasis, especially in the deserter, about 
how much of a choice people have. I think people in the Clone Wars have more choices than they realize. And I think that's a lot of how Palpatine's power comes about, is by making people think they don't have a choice between stuff. Yeah, I mean, how absolutely. many times have you heard Palpatine say in the Clone Wars, ah, but what choice do we have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the Zillow I... Beast arc, you know. I'm afraid we have, like, like I applaud your moral courage, Dr. Bull. We need a lot of that these days. But but we simply have no other choice, Anakin. Yeah. Don't you think we don't? We have no other choice but to, you know. Um, it's it's yeah, an absolutely. interesting. It's definitely a yeah. It's definitely a huge part Order of Order sixty six. Order sixty six is removing these clones' choice. The droids yeah. don't have any choice. You know, even when we get to like you know K two S O and like. Not kid to myself. Like, even when we get to, like, the Citadel arc, which I'm currently watching for my trivia stuff, those battle droids were reprogrammed. They didn't have a choice about it. They were reprogrammed to serve the Republic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fascinating for me. Um, so, uh, should we get on to everyone's favorite part of the episode? Everyone's favorite part of the episode we're doing it again another double one because last episode was so goddamn long that we couldn't <laughs> um so uh let's do this everyone get ready for our favorite part of the episode but we're doing two so it's technically one half portion <laughs> yes so we have, it's a long part. story and this month oh okay yeah let's okay. do it okay do you want to go Jacob, first you, you want to go first for this one yeah i'll go first okay Yes. So, for my long story, which Star Wars story am I referencing here? So, a wannabe pilot takes a shower with the dude that tried to kill and eat him. Oh, yeah. And then he cheats that's at solo gambling. Star Wars story. Yes, that is solo. Oh, this scene when I heard on solo takes a shower with Chewbacca yeah. and says, yeah. What are you looking at? Yeah. Great scene, too. Um, yeah. Okay. A military officer is convinced that the items that he and his troops are searching for are not right in front of him. Ooh, military officers convinced the items which are not right. Oh man, um, it's a stumper. I'm. Am I missing something? Can you can you say it again, just in case I missed something? A military officer is convinced. That the items he and his troops are searching for are not right in front of him. Is it the uh, the May Lou run episode from Rebels? Nope. Ooh. Jacob, I don't know. Let me uh, see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. Uh, oh. You don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't oh. the droids you're looking for. Oh no! You can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along, move along. Nice. I was By thinking way, in terms of convinced as in they thought on their own, not like someone else convinced them. Good also, the, the thing that I thought was going to reveal it, that he and his troops are searching for. I made a very yeah, I didn't, precise I didn't, effort I didn't not to say looking for, um, but I think if I said looking for it, it would have been a bit, little bit more obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, New Hope right there 
Um, this month, go ahead. What are you going with? This month, I have started reading Thrawn. Man, I can't remember the name of the book exactly. Ascendancy uh, Chaos Rising. Yeah, Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising. Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising. I love it. It's really good. Um, another uh, another banger from Timothy John. I absolutely love the uh, the the suspense at the beginning, kind of the pe- kind of peeling back the the layers of the mystery. I haven't finished it yet, so we will see. But that is that is what I've been working on uh, this month in terms of Star Wars media. Uh, what have you so, got for us this month, Eli? I have something that I've been playing a lot more of recently. Uh, Jacob, I know you used to play this quite a bit, but I'm going to talk about the the actually pretty darn good Star Wars mobile game, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Ah. I've been playing it a lot more recently because of one thing and one thing only. They just came out with a new incredible game mode that's called Conquest. Oh, wow. Which is really interesting. They're basically like, think of Galactic War. You, Jacob's played this game, so he knows what yes. Galactic War is. Think of that, but like supercharged. So you have these different sectors right here, if you can see. You have these different sectors right here. And you go in, and there are these very high-powered teams. Um, like very high-powered. And you got all sorts of squads in here that you have to fight. Um phoenix squads right here you know like here's imperial troopers led by admiral piet here's bounty hunters with the mandalorian in there here's like i don't know um here's yoda leading some republic people um and you have to fight them uh but there's a couple of twists which is that um first one as with galactic challenges which is another game mode you and um, the enemy have certain modif- uh, sorry, the enemy has certain modifiers, for example, overprepared. These units have been preparing for battle. Increases max health, max protection, offense, and speed by 20%. They just have random versions of that. And mm. you have these things called, I forget what they're exactly called. I forgot what they're called. What are they called? They're called, um, shoot. They're called data disks. And you can equip them to your, um, team to give them more buffs and so um it's this huge balancing act of what effects you're going to give to your team as opposed to the other team in addition to that there's this thing called stamina which is once you use a character 10 times you have to wait for them to recharge their energy um which prevents you from keeping going on the same squad the entire time galaxy of heroes is a game about it's a turn-based squad management game so it's like you your enemies are going and and you're going in certain numbers of terms uh of turns and you have to defeat all the other enemies on the battle it's a really interesting balancing act uh conquest so that's my recommendation uh, uh yeah sound, sounds super complicated yeah i have it, not played the game in a while but uh yeah that sounds it's, uh it's that pretty sounds, fun. that sounds like quite something yeah um so that i think wraps up this episode for, of star wars and the galaxy uh, next week is going to be a big week for In a Galaxy. On uh, let's see, on on Sunday, we are doing our second stream. We are doing um, the Star Wars Rebels bracket. In addition to that, Jacob, why don't you announce? Um, you want to announce our guest for next episode that's releasing next week? Next episode, we have the indomitable Maggie Lovett, 
coming on Star Wars in a Galaxy. We're super and excited to have her on. We are going to be talking about the Mandalore episodes of Season 2, correct? Yes. There are Ooh, the Mandalore plot, Voyage of Temptation, and Duchess of Mandalore. Ooh, um, I'm excited. I'm three ready. Three incredible episodes. I'm excited because I'm not too into Mandalorians, like, as just, and I know Maggie is. I'm interested to hear why she likes them so much. It's not like, you know, uh, I, I don't, again, I don't have any problem with them, but I'm just not, like, super into them, and I'm interested to hear her opinion about stuff. Yeah, um, same, same. In the meantime, uh, you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We will be there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Star Wars in a Galaxy. Follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars in a Galaxy um you can um please if you're on apple Podcasts specifically leave a rating and review for us five star rating please it really does help <laughs> our visibility and us being seen and i think until next time may the force be with you always <laughs>